hello. Welcome back, Willie Show Podcast, Episode 7. Maybe this is your first time visiting us. Maybe you are a returning customer. Willie Show Podcast is a drug and alcohol recovery podcast focusing on the horrendous and ridiculous things we did when we were, quote unquote, out there. If you are a first time listener, welcome to the show. We would love to hear from you. Our email is willieshowpodcast at gmail.com. We have two sections to the show. We start with our teetotaler, Uncle Danny. He reads uh, an email from you guys. He's a straight-edge, non-drinking, non-drugging human being. And he comments on them, and we talk, and then we get right into Garbage Head Fairy Tales. And this week's Garbage Head Fairy Tales is brought to you by Melissa. And Melissa is a wonderful, phenomenal, fantastic, ridiculous, drug addict, alcoholic, crazy, psychopath, garbage head in recovery my absolute favorite kind so um we're gonna get into it we're gonna let uncle danny re-intro the show and then we'll hear from melissa i'm super jazzed and excited to be back after our two-week break all right here we go um is that your hot wife in the background it is Hot wife, you want to say hi or whatever? You want to say hello? No. No? Busy. Hot wife's busy. Well, that's not going on the podcast. He's not on the podcast yet. He's just saying, do you want to say hello to yeah, Uncle Hello, Willie? hi. Say hi to me. And I can't hear him. You have your volume, like, all the way down. Oh. Now I say hi. 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 That's it. Get out of here. <laughs> Jeez Louise. <laughs> She's almost always right next to me. That's a good thing. It's true for the podcast no, calls. You're always on the couch, so if I'm on the couch, then there you are. I'm using all this. <laughs> this, is, this is that golden candid shit. <laughs> Love it. Okay, everybody. Welcome back. Willie Show Podcast. It's been two weeks. Willie Show Podcast is a drug addiction recovery show starring me, Willie of Willie Show, and introduce yourself, sir. <laughs> and Uncle Danny. Uncle, your, Uncle Danny's here today, and we're going to keep Uncle Danny on a leash today. Because Uncle Danny's been too crazy lately. <laughs> so, um, welcome back. It's been two weeks. And I have missed recording. I don't know if you've missed being on the show. Are you caught up? I'm not caught up, but I have missed being on the show. Well, that's good. So, from now on, we just expect that you're never going to listen. And, <laughs> and that's okay. That's okay. It's acceptance. It's part of my recovery program. You know, if I can't accept that, then maybe there's something wrong with me. You know? Uh, I don't think that's the case, but okay. No, that's the case. That's that's what I've been oh, told. That's how, that's how it goes. I just blindly follow what I've been told. So, uh, yeah, up to now, I think we could have also called this show Old White Guys Getting Sober. Is that fair? Uh, well, I don't know about the other people on your show. 
Because you haven't listened? If you want to, well, I wouldn't know what, whether they were white or not if we were on the phone. Oh, very <laughs> fair. So today, what's special about today is it's not going to be an old white guy episode. Oh, well, I'm the old white guy in the in the room. Well, we got to have an old white guy somewhere. So, oh, you want to know what's cool, though, Danny? What's that? And I, and I don't know if everyone else knows this, but all of the emails that we've received have not been from men at all. I've got no male emails. Really? Yeah, it's just an interesting statistic. So, so, so I think we need to better represent our listening demographic and um, start having more than just white dudes being sober on the show. So, are you drunk? Good idea. Are you drunk tonight? Am I drunk? Yeah, no. have you been drinking? No. Taking any self-prescribed medications? Nope. Nope. And no pills in the rear end. That's good. I'm going to start telling you about other things you can do to get drugs up your rear end if you need the information. Okay. There's a There's a method that you can use a, a turkey baster and water. Certain things are water-soluble. And All right. That's the best method. All right, so um, we ask you guys and encourage you guys to write us emails at willyshowpodcast at gmail.com. And Danny's sole job on this podcast is not to listen to the episodes and respond. And we've been leaving Easter eggs in each episode for him to tell us about, which he hasn't because he doesn't listen. So today we have an awesome email. And Uncle Danny, why don't you take it away, read it, and then... Tell us what you think. All right. <clears throat> this uh, email starts off the Willie Show. All right, stop <clears throat> right there. It's not. It's not the Willie Show. It is just Willie Show, but it's okay because I say it too. I'm just saying what the email says. Yeah, no, it. It's fair. <laughs> and then it says with an IE. All right, <clears throat> start over. All right. Willie Show. Yeah. With an IE. Yeah. Nice. Uh, <clears throat> I want to express my gratitude for you taking the time or taking the initiative to develop a podcast about addictions. It's interesting how different our stories may be, but the root of it all is the same. We struggle with addictions, mostly alcohol and perhaps some drugs. My main disease relates mostly to alcohol- alcoholism. Oh, the isms are real. We all have them, some more than others. I seem to have quite a bit. Most of them I didn't even realize I had. I must say that each episode has affected me in different ways. The ability to leave each podcast being grateful for my recovery and to feel connected to not only my higher power, but with other alcoholics, including those whose stories that are different from mine is a freaking miracle. With our stories that may differ, the reality is that we all ended up here because we have a problem. We are addicts. There's those isms again. With our differing stories, we all have the specific common focal point of how we got here. And ultimately, it all boils down to our disease. Yes, it's a disease. Who would have thought? Here I was thinking I'm so amazingly different from everyone else and that I acquire some special uniqueness flowing through my blood. Ha! Not the case at all. 
I came to discover that I was not alone, and for some reason, that was riveting and contagious to me. Being that I have the disease of more... Being that I have the disease of more, I fully heartedly... That's not right. That's me reading it wrong. Being that I have the disease of more, I full heartedly wanted to know more. No, 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 no. You read that right. Being that I have the disease of more, I full heartedly. It's right. Okay. Yeah. These are things you're not used to. This is a very co- uh, common concept. It's th- the disease of more. Okay. You know I've what never I'm saying? Heard the disease of more before. Yeah. Do you know what a higher power is? I know what a higher power is, yes. Yeah, you got one of them? <laughs> I do. Well, do I have a higher power or is there a higher power? Oh. I don't have a higher power. Yes, you do. Do you believe in a higher power? I believe in a higher power, Then yes. you've got one of them. Oh, okay. <clears throat> Back to said email. You're doing and... a great job. <laughs> I love that you're like getting into character. Okay, go ahead. All right, back to the said email. Hence, I dragged my way back into the rooms. Yes, I've been here before, but was not ready. Toward the end of my drinking and popping Benadryl with it, I loved the isolation and falling asleep, being in some weird-ass, uncomfortable, yet exciting abyss. I starved for that feeling of nothingness. I didn't want to feel anything, and I sure did my best to achieve that goal. However, when I discovered there actually were people out there exactly like me and that it wasn't a cult wanting to <clears throat> that it wasn't a cult wanting to destroy any chance of my so-called happiness. She's talking about wife, AA as a whole. I, I I got that. You got that one. Okay. Okay. Good, good. good interjection. I like it. <laughs> for the ones who didn't know, my world completely shifted and for the better, I must add. To finally be capable to <clears throat> to acknowledge that I have a problem and to admit that I need help and am failing miserably by attempting to do it alone. The doors of freedom came sweeping in. I had to literally and completely throw my hands up. And let me tell you, I threw them up. I threw them up high and surrendered <clears throat> my whole being and allowed others in which, oh, allowed others in which was a remarkable experience that I cannot describe and I'm forever grateful that I had. I had to let go of my ultimate superior ego that I thought was so grand and completely surrender. Sounds scary, and it was. But for me, it also provided me with a sense of relief that I was not alone and that there was a solution. The thought of being doomed for life dissipated. And was replaced with hope and faith, which I never had until the moment of serenity entered my body. I love how people with addictions can cry and laugh at the same time, especially when we are sharing our stories. Being in a sober state, you can't help yourself from being like, WTF was that. Danny, you can say it. (laughs) What the fuck was that? What the fuck was that? (laughs) I did that. The ability to laugh about it says a lot. Addicts know how to have fun, even though we essentially thought that our lives were over now that we're sober. Holy shit, is that not true? Our lives have just begun and takes on a whole new meaning. I thought drinking was the only way for me to get through life, and when I was told 
it had to go, I didn't think I'd be able to do it. I needed the alcohol to function throughout the day, or so I thought. I'm truly grateful for the sober life and mostly for the people I have come to know in the recovery, especially you, Willie. You are one of the people that helped me get to where I am today. This is my favorite part. Just <clears throat> start start from start from how great I am again. Start back. <laughs> I've come to know in this recovery, especially you, Willie. You are one of the people that helped me get to where I am today. Love you, sober bro. Keep doing what you're doing because it's working and you're helping others, including me. Your sober alcoholic friend. We'll just say C. Because I don't know if I have permission to give her name C. That's the first initial. So, reactions. Reactions to this? Yeah, react to it. Um, hold on. I got to move rooms. <laughs> See if I still have reception when I go upstairs. It's okay. I love hearing the girls. They sound so yeah, excited. Yeah, they just came back from Girl Scouts. Really? Yep. Yeah. You got some cookies for me? Uncle Danny, what's your favorite Girl Scout cookie? Uh, the chocolate-covered peanut butter one. Tagalongs. That's your favorite one? Yep. That's the number two good one. Do you know what the number one good one is? I know what everybody thinks is the number one good one, but I don't like it. What is it? Thin Mints. No, Thin Mints are terrible, bro. That's like number eight. Oh, Caramel Delight then? What? There's not even such a thing. No, the the, the ones with the coconut in it. The dosi, Is it Dosey Dough? Uh, no, I think those those are the uh, peanut butter sandwiches ones. What's the one with the fr- freaking the coke? It's like shaped like a I you know. I told you it's caramel delight. That's not called caramel delight. I'm pretty sure it is. Listeners, write us into Willie Show Podcast <laughs> at gmail dot com and tell us what your favorite Girl Scout cookie is and why is it the one with the coconut in it and why is that not caramel delight? <laughs> and follow us on Instagram. So, anyways, react to the email. Come on. So, I think that uh, lots of listeners and lots of people that are going through recovery probably feel exactly the same way uh, that C does. Uh-huh. Uh, I think it's definitely powerful that she was able to push through and figure out that she didn't need the alcohol to be funny or to have a good time. Do you understand what she, what she her being... T- what about the concept of being terrified of surrender? Have you ever thought about surrender? Do you know what that really, you know what I mean? Do you know what she means there? Or can you kind of feel what she's getting at? Well, I mean, <clears throat> to me, I think that she's afraid to just realize that there's a higher power and that uh, that by surrendering, to, well, I don't know if surrendering is the right word. It is. It is. It is. It's surrender oh. to win. She's letting, so you're letting go of all your preconceived old ideas, and you're also just allowing, you're taking, you're taking the suggestions of the other people who have been where you've been and now are somewhere completely different and have found some kind of peace in their life. So you're like, you're surrendering to the program. You're, you're you're willing to do it, whatever they say. If they say, 
you know, go to, go to meetings and take a coffee commitment and da da da. You know what I mean? She surrendered. Right. She's given up. She stopped fighting everything and everyone. Does that make sense? Well, she, hasn't, she hasn't necessarily given up, but she's given up uh, the control that alcohol had over her. She let it go. Yeah. Yeah. And that's terrifying. That is a terrifying experience. I can imagine that it is when you're using that as a crutch. No. I think it's a terrifying experience to... Um, in any way, shape, or form to kind of like a, to, to put your own ego aside and try something different, you know, cause we all want control of our own lives and we all want to, but the thing is like for me, um, I had proved that, um, me running the show was a bad deal and that's actually where the name of this show comes from. Because I used to stand up in the meeting and I'd say, hey, you know, I, I was running the Willie show and it was a fucking shit show. <laughs> you know, and once I let my higher power take over, da da da, or once I started <clears throat> surrendering to the suggestions you people have given me and letting other people run the show and just doing the next right thing, things got better. Yeah. So. All right. Well, this is. This well, it sounds like to me that she's on a pretty good path. Sounds like it, right? Yeah. Yeah. And it's inspirational. You know? It's not easy. So, that's how it's done. And I appreciate the email. And, Danny, I appreciate your time. And, um, you know, I look forward to talking to you more. And we're going to hear from Melissa today. And I don't know Melissa's story, but I'm really hoping that she's a crazy, psychotic garbage head like me. Willing to just, you know... Let it out. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Because some of us did drugs. Some of us did a lot of drugs. Some of us did a lot of drugs with our alcohol. And that's okay. You know? Right? Well, the path that, the path that people are on or what the, is the path they were on. Can't change that. No. But you if... You can change the direction after you've decided to surrender yourself. If you have a turkey baster... And you mix your drugs in water. It will absorb. Okay, Uncle Danny? I can imagine that it would. That's my tip for you this week. All right. Dude, I love you, and I'm glad to have you back. Love you too. And I'm not mad that you don't listen. Not even a little bit. No, but if there's Easter eggs in there, I might be interested. There is. I'm interested, period. Good. I'd like to get an hour alone to myself to just listen to something like listen, that. Listen, it doesn't work like that. Just little chunks. Five minutes here, five minutes there, you know? You chunk it out. Nobody has that kind of time in this world that we live in where we're just inundated with that, you know, millions of pieces of information every minute. Yeah. Just little chunks, Danny. Have you been meditating and praying every morning? I have, I have not done either of those every morning, though. No. No? They're not part of my routine. It's probably why I'm so stressed out. Pray for me, and I'll pray for you, Uncle Danny. Deal. All right. I love you, brother. Thank you. Right. Love you, too. And now for this week's Garbage Head Fairy Tales, Melissa.
Okay. Hello? Hello? Hi! Hi, Melissa! Hey, how are you? Dude, I'm fantastic. Thank you so much for picking up. Oh, yeah, of course. I'm driving, so I, I saw like, I was getting text message. I figured it was you, but I was like, he'll call me when he's ready. Because like, I'm on a Cross Bronx, uh, Cross Bronx Expressway. Oh, my God. Currently. What are you doing? Yeah. I'm going down to Long Island. I have a partner who lives uh, in Amityville. And, um... I, <laughs> this year, like, I have been on the Cross Bronx Expressway more times than, like, when back in the day I was shooting dope and had to be on the Cross Bronx Expressway. Yeah, like, yeah. <laughs> it's been, um, it's been a trip. I hate, I, I hate driving to Long Island, but I, I dig my partner, so I do it. I am so happy that you already said that you shoot dope because I have had a string of guests who I love and who have been fantastic, but they're like... You know, they live these big lives and there's humility and they're like, you know what I mean? They're like a little passive about their drug use. They don't want to talk about it. Like they talk that it happened. You know um, what I yeah. mean? Oh, no, I have no problem. I think some of my best stories revolve around um, specifically methamphetamine, you know? Like I'm a drinker. Like I'm an alcoholic of the hopeless variety. Sure. But, um, yeah, drug use is a huge part of my story. <laughs> like, yeah, I mean, when I first got sober, like, I wasn't sure if AA was, like, the appropriate place for me. I actually didn't know what box to put myself in because, like, I was like, well, I really, like, I really love fucking drugs, you know? Like, You know, I felt the same way. I really did. Yeah. So I figured, I like, like, as an icebreaker, I would ask you three really stupid questions. I love that. Yeah, okay. And you can ask me three stupid questions if you want. All right. First stupid okay. question. You ready? All right. First first stupid question. What's your favorite video game? Oh, that's a really hard one. It's either Silent Hill 2 or Banjo-Tooie. Really? I, th I knew you were going to say Silent Hill. <laughs> I knew it. I, I do love that game. It has a gorilla grip on me, unfortunately. Yeah. I have that with Bloodborne. It's my favorite because it's got all the cosmic gothic horror, and I just love that aesthetic. Uh, I eat that shit up. I understand completely. Yeah, that's breakfast, lunch, and dinner. All right, number two. That was the softball. Ready? Okay. Least favorite musical genre? Least favorite musical genre? Um, this is going to be controversial to my tastes, but uh, I think my least favorite genre is pop punk. Pop um, punk. Or ska. I'm not really into ska. I, don't get me wrong. I have been to many ska shows and many pop punk shows, and I always have a really good time. But you will not catch me listening to that behind closed doors. Yeah. So you don't have a Real Big Fish CD in your in your player right now? I don't, but I've seen Real Big Fish live twice. How was that? <laughs> they're, they're incredible. That's the thing. Like, I, I, I know. I'm such a hypocrite because they're so incredible live. Listen, but it's like... I'm a huge hypocrite <laughs> myself. Okay, number three. <laughs> okay. Hip-hop... Punk rock or dubstep? I, I couldn't possibly answer that question. All three of those genres mean a lot to me. Um, I've been on a um, punk rock kick. It's so yeah, weird. Yeah, I guess if it was like gun to my head, ugh, I'd say, yeah, punk rock. Punk rock has always been there. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I go through phases with hip hop. Um, 
I don't. That's such a good question. I, I listen to a lot of EDM. Yeah, me too. I'm 37 years old, and I just started getting into punk rock. Now, right now, like two days ago. Well, this is the time, dude. There's always a chance for like being you in a rebellion. You, you know? sure I didn't miss it by like four decades? No, no, no. There's always a system to fight. Look at Henry Rollins. He's still on tour doing. He's like 800 years old. They bring him out on dialysis, and he's like, "Fuck cops!" Like, you know, yeah. it doesn't matter. There's no age limit to punk rock. Yeah. All right, well, you can ask me three dumb questions if you want or not. Okay, three dumb questions. Ooh. Okay, hold on. Give me a second. I wasn't thinking. Um, I know. I wrote ooh. mine down. What is, a, what is a shoe brand that you return to time and time again? New Balance. New Balance. Yeah, okay, hell well. yeah. Is there like a particular reason? Is it a style? Is it like it could, it's nineteen dollars and ninety nine cents? That's my style. <laughs> oh god, God bless. All right, so that's the first one. That was the softball. Um, to be fair, level. to be fair, I don't own a pair of New Balance and haven't in five years. But that's because I don't buy my own shoes. God bless. It seems like your wife is really looking out for you. <laughs> like Dear, and my mommy. And your mommy. Oh, I, my mom still buys me shoes, too. Yeah. God bless her. Especially after everything I've done. I'm like, <laughs> yeah. But, uh, okay, second question. Um, what is your <laughs> What is your favorite musical? Musical? Yeah, what's your favorite musical? And that includes, and is not limited to, like, Disney, um, things that are musicals that maybe aren't called musicals that have a lot of music in them. You're allowed to pick any of those. Oh, my God. Well... What is that film on Netflix with Will Ferrell? Is Eurovision count? Zero Eurovision with Will Ferrell no and Rachel McAdams. Is. It's fantastic. Is there a lot of music? There's a lot of music. Okay, then that's a musical. That can be your favorite. That's like, because I just can't. I mean, obviously, like, I would think, like, I was raised Disney. So Lion King was the most impactful and messed up movie I ever saw. <laughs> that shit, like, so twisted <laughs> what a lesson in grief I saw a meme the other day that said like it was a picture of Simba walking away from like his passed away father and it was like when you have to pretend that five minutes ago you weren't singing a song called I just can't wait to be king yeah <laughs> it's like it's so so bad the only <laughs> the only musical I've ever seen live that I can think of is Pirates of Penzance you saw <laughs> what a specific and weird musical to have seen live. So good, right? It is very fun. That that's the one that has like a. It's like I am the modern measure of the. Blah, 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 blah. Yes, 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 song. yes. What's yours? Do you have one? Oh my god! Yeah, I have a favorite musical. I'm gonna sound like a little dweeb, but probably Phantom of the Opera. Okay, yeah. I didn't get to see the whole thing. My son and my wife went to see it on a school play, and then I tried to watch it, and I was, you know, they didn't, they didn't want to finish it because they had just seen it, and then I was like, I was like engrossed into it because the oh, music okay. is so good. Dude, I, I trust me. Watch Phantom of the Opera. Like it or don't like it is culturally relevant, but. It has a sequel that is absolutely coconuts, like so fucking insane. It has a sequel? And it has a sequel called Love Never Dies. And it's basically like, you know, Phantom of the Opera is super famous. So, of course, weirdos are like in love with it. And they write fan fiction. They make fan art. They have all these theories. And the sequel is like if they took all the terrible fan fiction and mashed it into an hour and a half movie. 
and it's like coconuts. It's so it's so good. It's so good. It's something you want to watch with people. Um, yeah. It's not good. I should say it's not quality, it's, but it's like no, no, no. Good. That's my kind of good. Yeah, it's far yeah, yeah. So first I have to finish Phantom of the Opera, which I think I know the entire story because I know all of the songs by heart. Who Among Us. Yeah. So then I have to, so then, okay. So, all right, I've got homework. And I'll, re- <laughs> I'll report back to the podcast. Have you listened to the podcast? I listened to part of the first episode and then I fell asleep because it was after I had math class. <laughs> I was like, I, I very literally passed out. That's okay. And I feel like just having you on the podcast has like elevated me to a great new status and will get me more listeners. You know what I mean? Yeah. So the first one was like a pilot. I was like, I didn't know. I didn't have a fucking, I'm just like, I have things. I'm making a podcast, blah. And then it yeah. kind of has evolved since there where I think my most, my favorite, do you know Brian. Brian, which Brian? Brian, he's he's currently dating um, someone who I don't know. I know Brian. You know Brian, right? So his his I love his episode because he's very candid about uh, putting Suboxone in his eye and robbing stores at gunpoint, like robbing Delar General with like a fake gun, and like I just love that level of candidness. So if you get a chance and listen to that, just go right to that one. No, I will totally listen to that. I also just like, it's funny like hearing you say that. Like, I, I love and admire Brian. I did not know him in active addiction. I've only known him in recovery. Same. And it's like, when I hear stuff like that, I feel the same warmth come over me. I'm like, oh, that's my kind of person. Like, that's how I use. Yes. Like, that's. So, all right, let's get into it then. Um, how do you use, like, um,. Um, I guess the obvious question is like, do you do? You, are you one of these people that remembers the first time you drank, or that was that like a, like a like a spiritual awakening, or like the first time you did drugs? Yeah, absolutely. Like, so how like, did it start? No, that's that's a good question. So I remember the first time I drank, and I mind you, I came from one of those families that was riddled with a healthy mix of alcoholism and alcoholism and recovery. So I got all the talks where it was like family disease you know you you probably have an allergy your odds aren't good kid so i really did want to avoid alcohol Um, oh so you knew about 12 step you knew 12 step vocabulary oh exactly like i i grew up in a house where like my grandfather passed away with 24 years in in recovery um like really active in 12 step recovery like so i had never been to a meeting like i wasn't dragged around like that like some kids are but i knew that um nobody in my house drank, you know, like, and there was a reason for it. Cause at one point it was bad. Right. So like I was 12 years old and at this little house party. And I think it's an important thing to mention that like anytime I've ever used for the first time, I told people I had already done that drug. Oh, me too. I always lie. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> like, me too. Like, Even smoking cigarettes. Oh, and so that night was like the first time I smoked a cigarette, smoked pot and drank. And I had been claiming I'd been doing this for a while. I had not been. I yeah. Like, like professional. <laughs> you know like please like me and um i remember like i drank way too much it was this green like super sugary apple like tart apple flavored liqueur yeah and um i had a bunch of arby's uh, (laughs) and i puked it all in the sink to the point where it was like the sink was entirely full with vomit i crawled under the table and passed out and we all got caught and i remember like and not like even enjoying the act of drinking, but I really enjoyed how it made me feel around other people. Yeah, it was good time, um, fun time. 
no, exactly. And like for a really long time, I didn't think I was an alcoholic until I got into dope. So like, I'm a huge drinker, a huge pot smoker. I don't do drugs. It's not my thing. Do you um, remember? Do you remember? Like, because for me, like. I feel like every drink was my first drink for, like, the first five times, so I can't even, like, identify which one it... I, I keep, like, retelling my first drink story differently. You know what yeah. I mean? But, like, the first time I smoked pot, I was like, ooh, baby, I love you. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like... Oh, my God. Weed was, like, the love of my life. Yes, like, I loved, hell yeah. I loved, culture. I loved, um... I, I loved everything about it. I wanted people to think I was, like, like, queen marijuana. I yes. Really that was my like, goal. Like, yeah, my buddy Ryan and I were just talking the other day about how, like, I am the person people smoke pot with for the first time. Like, I would yes. convince everybody to get high. I'd always have it. Um, and, like, I didn't think that was a problem for a really long time until I tried to get sober. And I realized that it took up, like, 90% of my mental capacity. Yeah, <laughs> just, and income. Oh, my God. I've spent so much money on marijuana and marijuana products. Like, it's absolutely ridiculous. Marijuana sounds like a Hank Hill, like a propane and propane accessories. Yeah, yeah, dude, I had like a fucking utility belt. I had a vape, I had edibles, I had joints, I had duchies, I had bowl. Like, I had all this with me all the time. Like, like there was like, you know what I mean? Like, it was ridiculous. No, I can very much. Dabs, I had a vape, I had a vape pen that you screwed in the top, but I also had one that you could put wax in. It was like, it was so stupid. I, you know, I wanted to be like um like healthy i've always like had this goal that i like i want to look like a healthy person and i was never healthy like i was always yeah, like neither. eating like shit doing shit but i really yeah. wanted people to think i was like spiritual and healthy and i was i invested so much money into vapes like uh like um what were they called volcanoes and uh, oh my god the volcano the you passed around the space popcorn bag uh-huh right yes. and then, <laughs> fast forward that i'm at festivals like passing around a balloon of nitrous you know? <laughs> yeah yeah Yes, yes. I've been dying to have you on, and this is why. <laughs> we all graduate eventually, you know. God bless right. the people who only ever drank. That sounds, like, miserable. But... Let me tell you a quick story, okay? Super quick. Yeah. The other day, I was at the Disco Biscuits concert in Albany that I was, you know, that I told you I was going to. Yes. But it was, like, sick. fucking, it was literally negative 30 wind chill, right? <laughs> I get out of the show, and there's hippies with tanks. And they're fucking, there's balloons everywhere. And I'm like, you know what goes really good with negative 30 wind chill? Cold <laughs> air in a balloon. <laughs> that sounds so unmanageable. I'm just imagining having to tether myself to this balloon. Dude, like. the wind was painful. And I'm like, I would at least take it to the Uber. You know what I'm saying? Like, like I don't know. Anyway, so If I was an Uber driver, I'd be cool with that. I'd be like, oh, like, what's the balloon for? It's like my kid's birthday. Oh, I've like, gotten in a lot of Ubers with, with like, a, a, like a five for 20. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Oh, awesome. So, so you smoked a lot of pot, and you weren't drinking a lot in high school? No, I was, like, very much not the drinker. I was a big okay. pot smoker, and, um... I was the designated driver, which is insane now yep. to say designated driver because I was always high. But, like, I would, you know, drive around. I never drank. Um, on occasion, I did. But it's like that first drunk scared the shit out of me. And it's like gotcha. when I finally picked up again at 18, like, it, it was like no time had passed. I drank like that every single time. You yeah. know? Like, yeah. I like I knew I was such a bad alcoholic that I would say this thing to myself. I'd never said it out loud until I got sober. But I would like 
I eventually got into drugs and I remember saying like, I can't drink like a normal person. I have an alcohol problem, but I can definitely smoke meth like a normal person. Yeah. I was like, I can definitely like be a normal guy and smoke meth reasonably <laughs> and like have a, have a pretty healthy relationship with like smoking meth. Like I was delusional. I could t- like. <laughs> That's because like for me, like drugs lie in a different way. Like, like I did a lot of cocaine thinking that it made me more likable. <laughs> and there's nobody that's more likable on cocaine. Like it was such an ego boost to me. I was like, oh man, you know, if I do all of this coke, everyone's going to think I'm a great guy. Which, Which is, is so funny. It's just so funny because like, it's such a skeevy look. Yeah, I was like thinking about how I've never, ever liked someone on cocaine. No, <laughs> even like, when you're on cocaine, the person you're doing coke with, you're like, well, that dude's skeevy. I don't look like him. <laughs> it's so funny. I can only count on one hand how many times I've done cocaine. Like, yeah, and honestly, I can count on like three hands how many times I've even snorted drugs. Like once I figured out shit was like shootable and smokable, I was like, why would I waste it in my nose? So yeah. how, all right. So how do you figure that out? How do you go from smoking a little weed, you know, not drinking to being like, hmm, you know what I mean? Like I could, I, this meth's better off in a pookie. Well, I think from I think it's different for everybody. Like everybody gets introduced to something and they make a decision whether they're going to try it or not. Right. Uh, for me, the decision was not mine. I am somebody who got injured, so like I injured my back in 2014. Okay. And uh, as a result, I was this was like 2014 was like the last year you could doctor shop and like. That's what I was going to say. It's like the the tail end of like, so it's like oxy 80 season, but it's coming to an end. Yeah, exactly. Like triangular shaped Dilaudids. Like, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like pretty much like, like you're still like, like allowed to leave the hospital with fentanyl packages. You are going to love Brian's story because so much of it is about doctor shopping and he was a master. Yeah. I, I had like, so my, I lived at my mom at one point. She had like, we had a falling out, she left, but I kept her clothes. I had, like, this fucking master of disguise shit going on where I'd, like, dress like a woman older and, like, give doctors different ailments. Like, I genuinely got hurt and was prescribed these things, but at a certain point, like, my body couldn't even fucking heal because I was just shoving anything in me that was going to take like, the pain away. And then it's funny, like, the pain went away. I never realized it. Like, I was just, like, using so much. and It's like um, phantom a- pain. Yeah, you know, like, I, I kept the pain there, you know, and it's weird to think about now. Like, I had a friend um, whose name I will keep to myself, but sure. uh, he introduced me to not only dope, but also recovery. <laughs> it's kind of weird. Like, I met this dude, and he had some, a couple of years, uh, California sober. Okay. Um, and he saw me at the worst of my drinking when I was starting to get into pills, and he was like, you gotta go like check out like this form of recovery you know like he took me to a couple of different types of meetings um and like it sparked an interest in me because i had been to meetings in my early uh, not early teens but like at 18 i had to go to meetings because of some court shit so what was your using like at this point like when your buddy like um stop i'm a daily i'm a wake-up drinker like as soon as i get up like there's already liquor waiting for me I'm smoking meth every 15, like that meth was always there. So I'm like smoking meth every 15 minutes, like, yeah. you know, and I have a, a Dilaudid habit. I don't even know milligrams. I never paid attention to that shit. Are like, you I like one I, of, are you an artsy meth 
person or are you like kind of like more of like a clean up things meth person like I heard oh, like, no, I'm like a I'm like a creepy dude <laughs> I love you yeah I'm like I know a exactly. bad yeah. guy on meth like yeah. there's nothing productive I'm just watching like <laughs> yes we're good I don't know how honest I'm allowed to be on this podcast like, you are you are you're allowed to talk about it but I'm not gonna force it out of you but I know instinctively exactly what you're talking about Oh, yeah. Like, I was just, like, a creep. I'm, like, on Reddit at all hours of the yeah, night. Like, you were depraved. Playing, yeah, like, playing violent video games, not washing my hair or my ass. Like, I'm, like, you know, just up at all hours, like, thinking, like, the walls are, like, talking to me. There's, like, angels in my head. Yes. <laughs> like, I'll tell you, I am, so I'm three and a half years sober, but I am still not allowed in the Palisades Mall because when I was on meth many years ago, I was in there and... I don't know why I was there, but I was there for a couple hours doing things. At one point, I'm alone. I decide to leave. And I'm walking out the door, and I hear this countdown. And it's like 10, 9, 8. And uh, it scared me, so I started to walk back into the mall, and I heard applause. And then that happened for six hours straight until they had to, like, restrain me and drag me out of the mall. And (laughs) the cops came. They were like, the cops didn't even take me in. I wasn't arrested. They were just like, hey, you're never allowed back here. And they took my pictures, <laughs> all, my, like, all my information. <laughs> and out of respect, I have not been back. So you were, you were like, you were just in a loop. Yeah, I was in this like endless loop. And yeah. like, you know, I looked insane. Like, uh, you know, I, like meth didn't make me skinny and pretty. Like I was like bloated and distorted. My hair is like, dr- literally I had dreads. Like I looked insane. Yeah. <laughs> I think you'd look great with dreads, by the way, but not methy. Oh, thank you. Yeah. I don't don't even joke. tell me that. I'm like, I'm always skirting a thread about whether I'm going to get dreads or not. Like, yeah. don't do that to me. I've, I'm known to convince people to get dreads. Like, I have this, the bartender at my home bar um, had, like, straight hair. And I was like, dude, you look so good with dreads. And, like, six, seven years later, he still got them. Oh, my God. Yeah. Sorry. So anyways, so so that's where you are at this point, and your buddy, back to the narrative, your buddies, like, introduced you to alternative 12-step programs, or, like, AA? Well, he introduced, like, he brought me to, like, several different types of meetings, um, like, AA, NA, uh, you know, I won't say which one I stuck with, like, that's, you know, but... Uh, no, you can, find, like, like um, I, there's another episode I did with a person that had a radio program, and they contacted GSO about how, like, what you can do and what you can say on a podcast and blah, blah, blah. And this, and the disclaimer is, this podcast is not AA. This podcast is not NA. I can say, however, that I've benefited from going to 12-step programs and that I've, you know, that my life has been changed because of because of AA. That's still okay. That's still anonymity at the level of press radio film because we're not using last names. Can so, I really want a brief pause? Yes. Hey, sorry, man. My uh, boss is calling me. That that sounds important. Do you need to go? No, he was just like, hey, where did you put the hummus thing? And I'm like, oh, this is where I put the hummus thing. Okay, good, gosh. I'm going to put, like, some cute music interlude there. Very sweet. I love that. All right, so you don't have to say which program it was, but he introduced you to a bunch, and then one stuck. Yeah, exactly. Um, I will say, like, I'm very grateful for him, but in the same breath, he relapsed, and he was like, you know, heroin's a lot cheaper than Dilaudid, because at this point, doctor shopping is no longer an option, like, New laws were passed oh, yeah. in like 2015 
And um, I was in my mind, like I was fucked. Like I had this habit, like a, I didn't understand I was withdrawing all the time. I was like, I'm so sick. I'm chronically ill. Like, <laughs> Oh, you didn't really like, know. You didn't really know you were dope sick. I had no idea. I had like, nobody had ever educated me on it. I had no clue. So I was like not shitting for a month and then shitting my brains yes. out. And like, you know, like, and that's how I know I'm an alcoholic. Cause every time I ever shot dope, which is so much, I would puke. And then I would always be like, it's not going to happen next time. I'll try it again. But like, you know, like, at that point, this dude introduced me to heroin, and I sniffed it one time, and the next time I shot it, and it was like, that shit saved my life. Um, yeah. <laughs> it got me off alcohol. Yeah. Uh, you know, it, like, made my bottom so low so quickly. Yes. Not like, you know, there was just no denying I had a problem anymore. Like, everyone knew it. Yeah, know? that's that's how I, I honestly feel the same way about drugs in general. My, my kick was... Um, like my my Jimmy Jam was cocaine with K in it. Mm. I just which I didn't know till later is Calvin Klein, which it's what a great name. What a fun name! I know it makes me want to you know it's like oh, but like I just loved up and down, like up and down, like it would be like jump in a K hole, come back out, like and I would I was going through a lot of blow, like I would get into like psychosis, like cocaine psychosis, like four or five days, no sleep, no eat, you know what I mean, and then it would be like. Oh, I know how to fix this. Like ketamine, you like, you know what I mean? Like, and I was like, this is the cure. Yeah. You know what I mean? And all no, that exactly. led me down quick. And thank God for it, because I would most likely be in a much worse position. You know, like thank God no, for the I drugs totally that bring agree. us to our bottoms. Yeah, and you know, I found for myself, like, and I heard this in the rooms, um, but it's always really helped me because, like, I quit drugs in 2016, but I quit drinking in 2019. Like, I would still relapse on alcohol. Yeah. And I remember, like, because I couldn't get past the whole, like, alcohol is a drug thing. Right. And uh, I remember someone in the room saying, uh, drugs brought me to a bottom that alcohol kept me at. And I was like, oh, like, Like, that was so true for me. Like, I was, maybe things weren't as bad as they were, but they weren't getting fucking better. You know, like, they were getting, like. I never heard that before. Yeah, I really liked that. It helped me so much. Yeah, because all alcohol ever did for me, like, was, like, let me sit in a corner and feel like a piece of shit. Right? And, like, and especially when you're in recovery for a while, like, I have experienced a relapse. Once you're in, you're never not in. Which, like, even if you choose to drink for 20 years, your brain is always in recovery and you're just fucking thinking about yes, it. Yes, and it's like, the they talk about that in the literature, like... It's a loneliness like no one else can know or something like that. I don't know. I don't remember. What the, you know what I'm talking about? I do. Yeah. I mean, yeah. when you're dr- when you're drinking and doing drugs in recovery, it is a lonely place because it's like my dealer doesn't even want to give shit to me. Like my friends don't want me at the bar. My AA yeah. friends. And I had a big resentment toward people in AA. I was like, you only like me when I'm sober. You're not real friends. Fuck off. Oh, my God. Yo, you're preaching to the choir. I know yeah. that feeling so well. Yeah. So then you're like. Okay, I'm alone. It's on. <laughs> you know? I remember, like, thinking, uh, oh, these people only fucking like me when I'm sober. But then I was like, oh, but also, when I'm drinking, I'm a piece of shit. Like, <laughs> like yeah, yeah. my good guy card goes out the window so quickly when I put something in me. Like, yeah. I have no, like, I, I always turn into, like, that gross guy, that not great dude. Like, you don't want to be around them, so. Yes. You know? Well, I. There was times I was a fun drunk, but, you know, not many. <laughs> So, did you ever have to go into treatment? Yes. Um, you know, you want to hear a little funny story that's pretty hopeful. Uh, treatment, like, 
didn't get me sober, but it saved my life and put me on a a path to where I am today. Cause like that, I was at the end of my rope. I was homeless. I didn't want to spend a winter outside. I was out of money, out of drugs. And I called, I was going to kill myself, honestly. Like yeah. I was like sitting there like, okay, like I either have to get sober or I got to kill myself. And honestly, getting sober sounded like a death in itself. <laughs> um, yeah. And like, I called this number. There was like an ad on Facebook. It was like rehabs in your area. And, um, I called and they directed me to Arms Acres. They picked me up within literally 20 minutes. Like, I left my car at my ex-boyfriend's house. I'd never seen it since. And uh, I ended up um, deciding to go to long-term treatment at a really shitty facility. But that's not the point. This is <laughs> this is the first time you got sober? Like, this is, like... Um... This is the first time I took it seriously. Because before that, I had, like... I've been going to AA for like a year or two before I went to treatment, like just not using. I was like, I never tried to stop using. Right, 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 right. Through, yeah, I go through a few like weeks where I wouldn't, and I feel really good, and then I feel bad. I use whatever, but at this point, like, it's my first time going. To, and I go to the hospital to clean up, you know. Um, like that was a big thing for me, like going into detox for a day, coming out. Yeah. But like, this was different because like. I didn't realize that when you get sober, you get crazier. Yeah. Um, so, but you had to kick in treatment. Yeah, I kicked in treatment. It was horrible. I decided I was like, I really wanted to be sober. I don't know what happened, but like that drive there made me like reject the Suboxone. And like, I don't have any opinion on Suboxone. I just decided not to take it. I was like, no, I want to be sober. And I laid in that bed and I just like, like my roommate was sick. I was sick. Like we just, it was I felt like a lot of solidarity because I realized I'd never been dope sick with another person before. Oh, wow. Like, I'd, I'd only ever been dope sick alone, you know? I'd never, like, sat next to someone and been sick with them. And she didn't like me. I didn't like her. Like, it wasn't like we forged this bond. Right, like, right, 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 right. Yeah, so I don't know. And then I went to long-term, and that, like, so long-term was fucked up. <laughs> what, what I want to say about Suboxone is also, like, I, I have... I have opinions, but I'll keep them to myself. But one of the things that I want to say, the thing that I want to say is that, like, some people aren't given the option. Yeah. You know what I mean? And I just think that, that, that you know, I mean, recovery is tough enough. You know what I mean? And some people aren't given the option. And then there's there's times when people can't get into treatment unless they're on Suboxone when they haven't even been using. Yeah, no, I... I think it's, like, a slippery slope for myself. And, again, sure. I'll be very clear on one thing. Like, I am very into harm reduction. I Me too. Think, Me too. Yeah, like, what saved my life might kill another person. At the oh, end of the hell day. yeah. So it's, like, I know somebody who was on Suboxone in recovery for six years, finally kicked it, and then got another six years, and they celebrate 12, and I commend them for That's it. That's incredible. I mean? like, and, there, dude, there's so much research out there that people that – um, that come into harm reduction actually like have a higher percentage of eventually becoming abstinent. Yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, it's like maybe we're not getting them into recovery, but we're keeping them alive. That's you know? dude. Like, there's hope not. when you're alive. You know what I'm yeah, saying? Right. Like, not you, you can't recover dead. So yeah, I like know people who've been Narcan a hundred times before they got sober for the last time. I yeah, think, and then even with Narcan, like the thing I want to say about that is like you can be Narcan. And then twenty minutes later, go back out. Yeah, like because it, it. <laughs> it only it only it only throws off the opiates for so long. You could have enough in your blood, and it comes back. You know what I'm saying? So like, 
I'm big on fentanyl test strips. I'm big on Narcan. I'm big on harm reduction, clean needle sites, like, you know, all sorts of things. Like, even, like, California Sober, which I want to explain to my brother, who's a star on the show, Uncle Danny. He's very, he's like the straight edge guy. California Sober means you're smoking weed, Danny. So just so, just for, that's for Uncle Danny. That's for Danny, yeah. And you know what? I have no problem with it. It, you know, it's not safe for my recovery. I had to learn the fucking hard way that, like, smoking CBDs is not even safe for my recovery. Um, it just it, it just led me down a slippery slope. And no, I, I it totally was understand. It's so personal, right? Like, it is very personal. So you, like, I identify with everything you've said, but my body chemistry is not the same as your body chemistry. Like, my sure. life experience isn't the same as your life experience. So, no, exactly. Yeah. Like... So wild. So wild. So, treatment. Um, you did long term. Yeah. And so, like, what do you think? Like, okay, so I got out of uh, the villa in 2019, and you were just getting a 90 day coin. That is true. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah, it was amazing to me because I could tell that you had experience in recovery. So, when, like, I thought you had years, and like, you were one of these people that I really, really like looked up to and there's a lot of people that were in that hallway and I just like and I was like I was confused I'll be honest I was confused by it but it was beautiful to me like to see your sponsor at the time give you that 90 day coin it like gave me so much hope you know what I mean and I relapsed oh my god like like a tumbling you know like over and over and over again experiences after that you know what I mean like to where I finally so the question in that long ramble is like what do you think stuck? Like, what changed? Like, how you know, how did you get from there to here? Honestly, man, it's like, so you know, I'll talk a little bit about 12-step recovery in the sense that there's a triangle that really simplifies an already simple program. It says, like, on, either, on each side of the triangle, there's a, a wall. One of them's unity, one of them's service, and one of them's recovery. Right. Unity means, like, for me, like, I'm in the inside of AA, like I, you know, fellowship with my fellows after meetings, I call them, like I'm connected with them. Recovery is like I do the 12 steps um, and I live in the 12 steps. And then service for me is the the thing I was always lacking. You know, I, I spent a lot of time in Alcoholics Anonymous. Oh, yeah. Whatever. You're good, dude. I'm telling drunk. you, you're good. We're good. No one's coming after us. <laughs> you, you... Well, so I, I spent a lot of time there drunk, you know? Yeah. Um, and, like, learning about AA, learning about, like, myself. And the thing is, like, I didn't stay sober the whole time, but things were getting better. Like, there was something so attractive to, um, like, like about the lives of the people I was surrounding myself with. But at a certain point, I turned around and I realized I was a year sober again. Because um, in those five years, like, that I was, like, going to AA, I only drank a few times. Like, you know, like, I had been, like... Yeah, no, no, yeah. Gaining a career, yeah, like, gaining a career, gaining fr- lifelong friends, um, working on my physical health and mental health. Like, I wasn't staying sober, but shit was getting better because I kept coming. And at a certain point, I had a year sober, and um, I went through this thing that was, like, out of my control. Like, I was going through a breakup. My house had caught fire. Um, oh I wasn't connected the way I should have been to the rooms. And I was confronted with, like, I want to pick up. And um, I had the smart legs. I had the, I had the smart hand that picked up the phone and I called my a woman who I called my sponsor, but I never called her. And uh, I told her what was going on. And I went to a meeting that night 
and uh, I had heard about this this thing in recovery that blew my mind. It was like, you know, you can have fun, you can throw events, you can yeah. like do karaoke with other sober people, and like, you know, uh, go bike riding, like travel the country, and you know, like it sounds that makes it sound so culty, but it's like these people were like just gathering with kind of no organization, no leader, just like gathering all over the place, having a shit ton of fun. And I was like, how the fuck do I do that? So I started like showing up and then I started like fucking, you know, I, I joined a committee that did those things. And at one point I turned around like this year, honestly, and I was like, holy crap, I love the person I am. I think and it's I fair. No I think it's fair to say that it was a young people's committee that yeah, doesn't give up yeah. anything. Um, and that's the thing. So, like, for the podcast's sake, I'm 28 years old. I got sober at 24. Dude, that's like, amazing. Yeah, I just, I didn't think that existed. Like, I went to AA, and all I knew was my grandfather. You know, like, old, grumpy men who love to talk about how they didn't love to drink. You know, I so was like, this is you so brought up, you brought up two things that I wrote down that I wanted to talk to you about. Yeah. One of those things was, I feel like I'm too old to be in a young people's thing. And so I've been jealous this entire time. <laughs> like I'm 37 and I'm like, shit, I'm stuck. I got to go to like freaking service conventions. I can't go to young people things. <laughs> it's the same shit, just different dress. Yeah. Like we do all the same things. It's just, it looks like, it's like service below the group level. You yeah. know, that's yeah. all it is. So then the other thing I wanted to talk about is I did go to a service convention over the weekend. I'm so jealous. I, I it was to go to in, it was incredible, right? I mean, there was a thousand people there. I got to do a round table with my with people that were in my service position, panel speaker, the whole nine, right? But one yeah. of the big topics of the weekend was uh, like accessibility and inclusivity. Like, yes, bitch. Uh, and I got to hang out with like two women who I couldn't respect more. And, like, they do this thing where, like, a topic is brought up and, and spoke about, like, a panel. And then people get up and they share their opinions on what's changing what's not. And being in the presence of these two incredible uh, women, I got to, like, not just hear what was being said, but, like, feel how it was being taken, you know, like, in their perspective. Like, I got a better... Not that they told me how they felt, but, like, even though sometimes they did. But does that make sense? So, like... My question is like, is it? Do you think it's more difficult for a young woman to enter into these twelve-step programs? Like, is there a barricade? Like, you know, because like my, you know, I come out as an old white dude, not an old white dude, but like a white dude coming out of rehab, and like, you know, this thing is set up for me to succeed. Is it more? Is there a diff? Do you understand the question? I do entirely. Um... And I have an answer. I mean, it, it's my opinion, but yeah, no. Like how I see it, like take the long-term rehab I was in. It was a divided facility with men and women, and there was two hundred men there and forty-five women. Right. Why is that? When in the world, like statistically, I should say in America, it shows that addiction is very fifty-fifty. It's like the people who are afflicted by addiction are fifty percent men, fifty percent women. The population's fifty-fifty for the most part. Exactly. Exactly. So. Why are only the men in these rehabs? Like, not to say, like, men do not have barriers to recovery. Everybody does. I'm not saying everybody that at all. A, yeah, right? Like, everybody has, like, a hostility or a prejudice against something that's good for them. Like, anytime I, I yes. do something that feels good, it feels bad, you know, like, at first. So, it's like, 
there's a really good pamphlet about it actually, um, which I'll send to you privately. But, yes, uh, please do. Yeah, I think uh, a lot of times, like in society, women have like different expectations. You know, like there's so many women who uh, are afraid of men. They have experiences in large groups. Like, uh, you know, they're a more a fragile fraction of society purely for the fact that like they've been conditioned to have to look out for themselves their whole life and be aware of everything and like i, I don't know I, that's only me speaking as a woman but it's sure. so scary sometimes to put yourself into new situations especially if you have like like i remember when covid happened uh meetings went online and i heard an interesting thing where like mothers were coming on and being like oh my god i like this sucks that covid is happening but I haven't been to a meeting in so long. It was never that accessible for me. So you, yeah, that's amazing, right? Yeah, it's it's such a miracle, and it's like, like there's so many barriers to recovery. Like whether it's like your local accessibility chair is looking at things like yeah, we have uh, a good one. We have a yeah, freaking awesome human being like, doing that. Right, it's so cool because you see them, and it's it's so it goes so deep. They're like, oh, are there wheelchair ramps at the church? Like. um, what about people who can't read? Do they have access to like hearing the like hearing the message? Hearing the message because let me tell you, some of our literature is actually a, one of the things they spoke about. It's a graduate level reading experience. Hell yeah, dude! And like, not everyone the actual words, the actual words have changed meaning. Like they said, um, there's a, a a line about the brainstorm and the grump. And when yeah. we think of brainstorm, we think of like having a brainstorm, right? Yeah. A brainstorm meant like a curmudgeon, like an arrogant jerk. So I, like that changes that the right that changes the entirety entirety of the context, but just by being hundred. So, anyways, so it just opened up my heart and mind, and it's like I want to be this optimistic person that believes that we're at least trending in a more accessible direction, right? But I don't yeah. know that that's the truth. And I want to be part of something that is more accessible to others. Well, know? it's like, I don't know. You know, I'm not going to talk government and politics. No, no, no. It no. kind of goes down to like, you know, you're sitting there wondering how you can change your local town. It's like, go to your city hall, start in your home. And it's like the same with recovery where it's like, we can't change the structure of an organization that's existed for 100 years. But... I can make an LGBTQ group. I can like, uh, I can see if there's like Spanish speaking meetings in my area. I can ask them how they can get connected to districts. Yeah, like, because like that's the to to me, like we have such a large um, Spanish population in our area, and yet, you know, I know there must be alcoholism and addiction. You know what I mean? And my my wife is a hundred percent Puerto Rican. My son's you know fifty fifty, and but I'm just saying like. You don't see a lot of diversity in meetings. So how do how do we make that more attractive where it's not just old white dudes getting sober? And how do we get the old white dudes to not like hug the newcomer girls when like it's creepy? And also like they first off, they might not know how creepy they come off, but that doesn't even matter, right? Mm, yeah. So it's it's very interesting. And like I feel like the entire weekend it was just like so awesome to be around people who I respect and have these conversations and think about them, you know? Hell yeah, and I don't know, I always reflect on myself, like, I have been someone who's, like, engaged in unsafe behavior and recovery, like, towards myself and my fellows, so it's like, if I can't change 
another person, I can change myself. Like, I've, I've dated newcomers, um, people with no time. Like, I have uh, I bought people drugs in recovery. Like, yeah. All these big mistakes, yep. you know what I mean? Like, yeah, hell yeah. Like, while in the rooms, while doing service. So it's like, how do I navigate my own behavior to be the person? Like, that Michael Jackson shit. Like, be the man in the mirror, you know? <laughs> like, I'm starting with the man in the mirror. Yes. Dude, this is so dope. My God, I'm having so much fun on your podcast. This yeah. is so cool. Is there anything else that you feel like we didn't hit on? Oh, I want to do one of the things that... So I have an opportunity maybe to get one of the podcasters that I really love and respect to come on this program through another person in the rooms. They have like a big, big podcast. Ooh, one of the you. things they do on their program, so in honor of their program, which is called It's All Bad, which is an awesome podcast, I want to ask you two questions. Ready? Okay. Question number one. Have you ever smoked PCP? Yes. <laughs> Give us the story. Uh, the first time I smoked PCP, I did not know it was PCP. Um, I was, thought I was smoking a blunt. I, and I was like 14 years old, like before I even tried to get into drugs. I ended up having an, I had an iPod Nano. Mm-hmm. And um, I went into my bathtub and I woke up and I had torn the top off my iPod Nano. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm one of these weird people where I loved it. I loved <laughs> dust. Like I like sought it out in like the weirdest ways. Like most people do it either by accident or once, and they're like, "Fuck no!" And I'm like, "Dude, give me another dippy cigarette." No, so let me ask you a question. Yeah. Um, when it comes to PCP, and this is something me and my buddies in recovery joke about a lot. Have you ever done PCP? while not under the influence of anything else. Like, like not sober. Fuck like, yeah. Like in, Fuck yeah. You, you have done PCP, like, sober. No yes. drinks, no pot, yes. no nothing. I was at a, I was at a festival, and <laughs> this, my, my dude that was a drug dealer wanted to leave. He was very uncomfortable. He'd never been to a festival before. And he's like, you got to give me a ride home. And I'm like, I don't want to leave. So I made a deal with him. I was like, if you get me a dippy cigarette, I'll drive you home. And it was like a two-hour ride home, right? Yeah. <laughs> so he gets me the dippy cigarette. He doesn't understand why I want it so bad, right? So I drive home, and the person I was dating at the time, and I will definitely keep their anonymity, um, was working at a video rental store that was going out of business. So she stole this movie with, like, 3D glasses. <laughs> and so we were sober, sober, like, like sober, and was like, let's do this, you know? And so we, you know, you take the filter out, and you, and you smoke the whole cigarette. This thing was dipped, like, super dipped. And oh my dude, God. I mean, I'm like bling bling with the crack pipe and collar. I'm like alien mode, like can barely walk. So we That's watched so this fun. movie with the 3D glasses and uh, we were like ready to kill each other because we only had one pair of 3D glasses. <laughs> like, <"Get me> those. <laughs> That's so funny. So, okay. See, that makes no sense to me because I am under the assumption that nobody ever does PCP sober. Like you're always like, Someone's I'm a like, garbage head, bro. And you're like, no way. And yeah. then you have a couple of drinks. You smoke a little pot. And you're like, yeah, but I'll, I'll, yeah, I'll smoke some heaney, you know? <laughs> no, no, dude. I am definitely that person. All right, question number two. Have you ever seen a ghost? Uh, oh, I was just talking with this guy about this earlier. Um, I don't know. I have a ghost story, but it's weird. Well, you don't have to tell it if you don't want to. I'll tell it, but it's yes. just like, I don't know what it was. You know? Was it on meth? No. So the thing was, I was sober at the time. I was 16 years old and I was working at a place called Carvel. Uh-huh. And um, 
I worked for Carvel for a long time. There was a freezer in the back, a cooler that we would stack empty ice cream boxes on, and we can bring them out at the end of the day. Yeah. Uh, and the freezer had like a wobble to it. Uh, like somebody needed to put a block of wood under it. So one day I walked to the back and there's a box of like empty, like gooey uh, mint chocolate chip ice cream. And as I walked to the back, the box flew across the room and shattered into a million pieces and soaked me in ice cream. And my first thought was like, oh, this thing's wobbly. I must've hit it. And I touched it and somebody had put a block of wood under it. So I was like, okay, that's weird. And then I got in my car hours later, hours passed. And um, I can't stop thinking about it. And I get in my car to drive home. And uh, I had a 2013 Honda Civic that has a feature on it where if you have something very light in your passenger seat, it will, like, go, like, airbag on and off a bunch of times. Like, that sensor will come on and off. Yeah. And uh, the whole time I drove home, that sensor was going crazy. And it never did that before. And it never did it after. And uh, I asked my bosses to watch the videotape of the back room. I was like, can I see the recording? And they would not let me. They're like, no. And um, I still think about that to this day. Like that was over, well over oh, a decade. Oh, hell yeah. Yeah. And I remember like, I don't, I'm a skeptic. Like I'm not somebody who believes in things like that. And it always kind of freaked me out. I don't know what, I, you know, it's funny. Cause like, that's not an explainable situation, right? Yeah. And if you have a feeling like you've witnessed something, like, then it's happened. Like, how could anyone not, you know what I mean? Yeah, I don't know. I don't tell that story a lot because I'm always like, oh, people are going to think I'm, like, fibbing, you know? No, <laughs> no, definitely not. Definitely not. <laughs> yeah, I always think of it. I'm like, I, like, even now I'm, like, driving, I have goosebumps. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. Oh, man. Well, Melissa, would you be willing to maybe come back another time? I feel like I've had so much fun talking to you. Oh, yeah, dude, whenever you want. Like, this was so much fun. I'm just really grateful for the opportunity to, like, not only, like, talk about myself, which I fucking love to do. Yeah, me too. But, like, uh, right? Like, I, I also just love talking to you. It's so fun. Thank you. What should we What should we call this episode? Uh, Caligula's Bounty. Okay, I was going to call it Melissa Show, but Caligula's Bounty works perfectly fine. I think it's a lot more heavy metal. Yeah, I ha- that's funny because I didn't even get the chance to ask you about surveillance capitalism. I was oh just going to be God, like, surveillance capitalism, go. That. But we're going to save that. We're going to save that. We're going to save that. And I'll end on uh, Burn the Masters, uh, Rise Up, all that good stuff. Dude, I hope you have an awesome, safe drive. I think your recovery is incredible. I think, um, so I've gotten a bunch of emails and I've never gotten any email from any dudes. They've all been from different, different people that happen not to be dudes. So it's like, man, I'm really doing a disservice by not having an incredible, like a, an incredible female on this program. And I'm just, thank you so much for being candid. And I've probably had more fun talking to you than anyone I've ever spoken to. So thank you so much. I had such a good time and I, I love being, a chick and I love being sober. Yeah. I also love being gay. Fantastic. <laughs> I love you and have a good night. Okay, bye-bye. Okay. Bye. Bye. Best interview ever. Hey, man, that podcasting you guys got going on over there, that's pretty cool. How could I get on me one of them podcasts? Oh, that's simple. All you gotta do is write an email 
to willyshowpodcast at gmail.com. Tell us your story. Maybe you want to be on the show. Maybe you have your own garbage head fairy tales. Oh, I don't know. That sounds like I would be pretty difficult. Well, I don't know. It could be pretty easy. Um, thank you, everybody, for coming out today to the podcast show. And we love you. And that's probably my worst outro ever. But, man, we had a fun show today. And... Uh, once again, here we are, jamming out to the Disco Biscuits, just relishing in the life that we get to live today, and, um, episode 8, what's it gonna be like? You know, I'm excited, and hopefully you're excited with me, so, follow us on Instagram, put us this out to the world, and we're gonna keep on keeping on. Nice.